Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here in the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be chatting about what I believe to be the most important metric to analyze when underwriting multifamily real estate deals, whether you're an LP uh, who's looking to invest in another investor's deal or a sponsor's deal, or whether you are an active investor who is looking to screen deals and understand if a deal makes sense in this environment or not. And it's a metric that I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, both in solo episodes and guest episodes. But I want to revisit it because, again, I think it is really, really important to drive the importance of this metric home, and that is stabilized yield on cost. And like I do in a lot of these solo episodes, I'm going to do some quick math and illustrate this concept in a way. But the reason that this is such an important metric to track in other terminology in terms of how it's defined as well, just so that we're all on the same page from a defining the term standpoint, stabilized yields, return on cost stabilized return on cost, you know, just stabilized yield on cost. Like all of these are interchangeable terms in a lot of ways. But basically what we're trying to analyze is when we buy this property, including our closing costs, and we invest all of this money in CapEx, what are we all into it for? And what is it going to produce in NOI once we are done with the project? So for example, Let's say we buy a property for $5 million all in with closing costs. Let's assume that that is our all in price at closing, $5 million. We spend a million dollars on renovations. So we are into this property for $6 million and it has $650,000 in stabilized NOI, stabilized net operating income. We're not including debt in this calculation. This is just what is this property producing in NOI? Our stabilized yield would be $650,000 divided by our all-in basis of $6 million for a stabilized yield of 10.83%. That number doesn't mean anything in this context because I'm not painting the scenario with information about this deal, but that is the number that we are achieving, right? I'm just using that as a hypothetical example of how to arrive at that figure. And the reason why this number is so important for us to have, especially comparing it to cash on cash return or the IRR of a deal is because it's not dependent on what's going on in the debt market. It is a, a view of how the deal is going to perform independently of what's going on in the capital markets. And this is a really important piece of information for us to accurately project as multifamily investors. And if you're an LP, you want to make sure that the sponsor who is putting together the deal that you are thinking of investing in has spent a lot of time thinking about what the stabilized yield on cost is going to be of this deal. And I don't think that IRR right now is a great metric to use to project how good a deal is because it is incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to project what cap rates are going to be in three, four, five, seven years. That is an extremely difficult thing to project is what the cap rate will be in the marketplace upon sale. And that is such an important projection to get right when analyzing a deal as it relates to looking at it through the lens of IRR, because IRR is heavily weighted towards what you're getting at the end of the deal in actual net proceeds from the sale. Whereas yield on cost is just a reflection of what this deal is going to produce through the life of the holds period. 
And that's obviously assuming all of the inputs are correct. Your renovation costs, your NO, you know, your projected rents or projected expenses, projected NOI, et cetera. But trying to project an IRR right now is honestly, in my opinion, like I don't even get the point of it, right? Because you're making bets on what the capital markets are going to be and what cap rates are going to be years down the line. And I don't think any of us who are listening to this podcast are qualified to be making those types of bets. That's an extremely difficult assumption to make. So yield on cost, I think, is a better metric to actually communicate the strength of a deal. And it's helpful in two respects. One, you're developing a sense of what the actual yield is going to be from an ongoing cash flow standpoint. And you can compare that to your cost of capital, the cost of debt, and the cost of your equity from a preferred return standpoint, and quickly see if you have positive or negative leverage with the deal. But you can also compare it to the current market cap rate and at least do your best to achieve a spread between your stabilized yield or your yield on cost and the current market cap rate to be creating value in today's market environment, right? Which is really the best that we can do when analyzing deals is confirming that we're buying a deal or investing in a deal that makes sense in today's market environment and doing our best to set ourselves up for success throughout the life of the hold, which is comparing our debt to our stabilized yield on cost. So for example, in our business, we're typically looking for a spread of 150 basis points to 200 basis points between the current market cap rate and our yield on cost. Because if we can do that, then we have created value within the project. And we're probably setting ourselves up for success throughout the life of the hold period in terms of we are all into the property for less than it's what it's what it's worth, and we've created some spread. So for example, in that hypothetical situation I shared where that stabilized yield was 10.83%, the $650,000 NOI divided by $6 million purchase price. If the market cap rate in that market was 8%, for example, that would be a great deal. That's a deal we would probably pull the trigger on. And lastly, before I close this episode out, stabilized yield is such a great number to understand because you can just adjust it based on the risk profile of the deal. If you're looking at investing in a class A deal, that's a minor value add. Maybe you're doing some simple little common area renovations and you're looking at a stabilized yield of 7%, but the market cap rate is five and a half or something along those lines in in the market that you're investing in. Well, that's probably a pretty compelling deal because you're achieving a spread in a deal that doesn't require that much work right? to get there. It seems like it's a pretty minor business plan, not a lot of implementation risk. Conversely speaking, if you're investing in an eight cap market and you're looking at a deal that is stabilizing to a nine and a half percent yield on cost, but it's a class C deal that's a heavy value add where you're spending $25,000 a unit to get there in renovations, that's probably not one you would want to do, right? Even though you're hitting your 150 basis point spread, you're accepting an insane amount of risk to get there. And you're also doing a ton of work along the way. The return on headache might not be there, right? So those are two different scenarios. And again, maybe the first one, you're okay with a a smaller spread given the simple business plan and the lack of implementation risk. And on the other one, maybe you need to stabilize to a 10.5% yield versus your 8% market cap rate to compensate you for the risk associated with that. So there's all kinds of reasons why this is such a great metric to track and why we love to track it in our business. It is our core underwriting screening tool and metric that we use. And again, I... The big point of this episode is get away from looking at deal IRRs right now because 
no one who's really in this game can accurately project IRRs because they're so dependent on what's going on in the capital markets years down the line. And that is a really hard bet to make unless you're just being incredibly conservative with those assumptions. But again, it's just hard to make those bets. So I hope this was a helpful episode for all of you out there that are either looking to invest passively in other people's deals or you're actively looking to invest in real estate and you want something to use as a quick screening tool to understand if a deal makes sense. And if you did take something away from this episode, please consider leaving the podcast a rating and review or subscribing to the show on YouTube. Uh, we are now posting all the podcasts on YouTube. Just the video video content is going up there. So you can find that by searching Multifamily Wealth Podcasts on YouTube. And if you are watching this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe if you found some value in this episode. But I will catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.